door, trying to get it tied. Kennedy scores! And will cater in. Shots! He has the crossbar! Kennedy looking center shot. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside my partner, Brian Bobel, and this is our last podcast for 2014. It is crazy that we have gotten this far already, and we're at that point. It's sad. It's sad. 2014, almost. We're almost done. Almost. Almost. They're so close but it's the week before finals and what are you going to do well we have a great show for you this evening tonight we'll be recapping michigan state's thanksgiving road trip against the princeton tigers later on we'll head around the boards to see how other big 10 teams are faring and finally we will preview michigan state's big 10 home opener this weekend against the number six minnesota golden gophers the spartans started their road series against princeton the day after thanksgiving but would not find playing in new jersey an easy task After a scoreless first period, junior captain Mike Ferentino opened the scoring for MSU on the power play to give Michigan State the 1-0 lead. Now, according to history, MSU should have opened things up against Princeton and won the game, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. Wrong. Mm -hmm. The Tigers responded quickly with two unanswered goals in the second period to give them a 2-1 lead after 40 minutes of play. This is a Tiger team that averaged just one goal per game coming into this series. Early on in the third period, Princeton capitalized on a power play and extended the lead to 3-1, and Michigan State just could not overcome the deficit and fell to the Princeton Tigers last Friday night by a score of 3-1. MSU registered, get this, 45 shots on goal in compared to Princeton's 26. Brian, this is a team Michigan State should have beaten. I mean, in terms of every single stat out there, Michigan State was the superior opponent, but still... Princeton found a way to beat the Spartans. Now, I understand it's tough to play on the road the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, there's a lot of emotions, Thanksgiving dinner, they got all, all that, that jazz. turkey in their system. Yeah, all that turkey, all the all the stuffing and all that. But I mean, still you can only chalk that up to so much. There are other teams that are having to deal with that. Princeton had to deal with it. Princeton Well, they were at home, so yeah, a little still, bit of a difference. But they get they still get the Thanksgiving dinner stuffed in. But I think This was a huge, huge missed opportunity for this team. And this is a Princeton team when they faced off last year at Munn, Michigan State outscored them 12-3 in the two games that Michigan State won at Munn. So this is is just an an atrocious loss. It was a hard loss. They, They could not lose this game. They could not afford to lose this game, and they did. And yet, despite the fact that they had, I think, what do you say, a 45, uh, 45-26 advantage in shots, it was really interesting. Tom Anastas today said he felt a lot of people were not, like, they didn't show up for that game. I thought that was really interesting. It, it, it is, and you know what? It's not the first time Anastas no. has said this. He said that during the second game of the Ohio State series, mm-hmm. the one where Michigan State dropped that game, could have gotten a sweep, could be right now number one team in the Big Ten with six points, but mm-hmm. instead they're in a four-way tie for first. And he said that opening weekend against UMass. Michigan State actually had the lead. UMass came back, took it back, and won the game in the final minute of the game. I mean, this is this are critical mental mistakes that this team is getting. And the margin of error, Coach Anastas has said it, the margin of error for this Michigan State Spartans hockey team is so thin. They just cannot afford to have guys just not show up mentally. 
a night. I don't even really think it's thin. I think it's just there's it's zero. There's absolutely no line. It, it's, uh, a it's, little bit I, if I, they're lucky. I, I found in the games where they have made mistakes, they they really have have they've lost. I mean, outside of the Saturday the game Saturday night, which we'll get to in a little bit, was the first game I think that I can remember where they played. They did not have a solid sixty minute effort and won. I think it's the first time where they had an ugly, you know, an ugly win. You can use the term ugly win. You don't use it often, but you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. Exactly. Like like you said, Brian, a game Michigan State needed to have to get close to that 500 mark to make that an easy, not well, not necessarily easy, but a manageable last three-game stretch to get to 500 before the Great Lakes Invitational Tournament. Yeah, and, and this was a Princeton team who was riding a five-game losing streak coming into this game where they scored a total of three goals. A total of three goals. And they managed... and. The three goal output that they had Friday night was the most amount. That was the highest goal total they've had in one game this season. So it, clearly, it's a team that does not score goals, and, and and you can't afford to 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 lose that game. You you really can't. And Michigan State did what they wanted to do. They got on the board first, and before Friday night, that was the, their key to success. Get on the board first, and they were undefeated. Now it's it's. I, I was I was. Quite frankly, I was shocked when they lost this game. I remember sitting there day after Thanksgiving at my uh, aunt and uncle's house, just staring at my phone at the Twitter feed, thinking to myself, "What? What?" Mm-hmm. It's. I was I was on the crazy. train. I was on the train home from the Devils Red Wings game when I saw that. I was I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah. So you got the double whammy. So I, that it was night. a double, huge double whammy for me uh, that night, but. Flip the calendar, you know, flip over to the next day, and things went a little bit better. Exactly, and indeed they did. Brian, take us through that one, seeing as you were there yes, in person. Yes, I actually was at the game on Saturday night between these two, sat in the very last row in the upper balcony at Hobie Baker Arena. Really nice, really nice old place. You know, they had, you know, Steel columns, you know, ob- uh, um, uh, obscuring the view for the upper level. So you know, it was a, uh, it was a great place to 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 be. It was my first time ever being there. So Michigan State though came out really, they came out flying on Saturday night. They looked strong. They looked, they looked like a team that was going to dictate the pace all night, and they really did. Michael Ferentino got a second of the weekend. Michigan State was on the board five minutes early. I was thinking, hmm, well, this is kind of following the same script as the night before. But then Michigan State took it into the second period, got a goal from Matt DeBlau on a terrific, terrific pass from Tanner Sorensen. You know, Tanner Sorensen kind of held the puck along, you know, the, you know, right below the faceoff dot, looked over his options, saw DeBlau cutting to the net, sent a beautiful tape-to-tape pass. Blau had a wide open net because even the goalie was just that was a terrific pass. So Michigan State's up two nothing at this point. I feel like it was a very deserved, it was very deserved for Michigan State to be up two nothing at this point. And then a couple minutes later, Tanner Sorensen gets his own goal off of a rebound. Puck hits off the backboards, a little scramble, and Sorensen buries it, and it's three nothing. And I'm thinking this is going to turn into one of the games that happened last year, Michigan State. It was just they were just firing on all cylinders. They were out shooting Princeton 
25 to 13 after two periods. It was it's crazy. Yeah, it was it was they, they were just they were just all over them. The Michigan State forecheck was going like crazy, causing Princeton to turn the puck over. Hildebrand, when called upon, was very reliable. But the turning point in that game happened at the end of the second period, where Michigan State had a two-on-zero breakaway. According to Tom Anastas, it was their second two-on-zero breakaway of the weekend, <laughs> and. I forget who had they, – they took the puck right in front of the goalie, dropped a no-look between-the-legs pass, and they got robbed by the right pad of the Princeton goalie, Colton Finney. He, it was a terrific save by Finney. Exactly, and that, and that swung the momentum, didn't it? It, it completely – absolutely, Jason. It absolutely did. And that was towards the end of the second – that was, with I think, with maybe three minutes or less in the period, and that just tri- that just took over into the third period – it looked like a complete flip-flop from the first two periods. Michigan State was on its heels for most of that third period. Princeton really took it to them. Ended up out-shooting Michigan State 9-8 to eight in, the, in the period, but it looked a lot worse. The Princeton four-check came out, and they were able to get two goals in the first 10 minutes. And next thing you know, you're thinking, well, now we got a hockey game. You know, Michigan State can't afford to blow a lead like this, but... Fortunately for Michigan State, they were able to they were able to batten down, kick it into gear, and Matt Barry put this one away with two seconds left with an empty net goal. So they escaped. They escaped Princeton, New Jersey with the win Saturday night. But that shouldn't happen against a team like Princeton. Mm-mm. It shouldn't. Mm-mm. Especially when you consider what happened last last year, like you said, Brian, outscored the Princeton Tigers. What was it, twelve to two? Twelve to three. Twelve to three. Four to one and eight to two. Four to one and eight to two. Like you said. This should have been a field day for mm-hmm. Michigan State, but it turned out Spartans were lucky to walk away with one win, let alone two. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a different conversation if they managed to pull out a slim win on Friday and come up with a sweep. Then you and I are sitting here saying, well, you know, they should have played better, but you know what? They got the they got sweep, it. so can't and- really complain too much. But the fact of the matter is they didn't get the sweep. They were lucky to walk away with a win. Yeah, and... And you look at it, yeah, they're lucky they walked away with the win. But in the end, they got the job done Saturday night, which I'm sure, you know, you can't be happy with letting a team back into the game like that. Granted, it's not a real, it's not a very raucous crowd at Hobie Baker Rink, folks. I'll tell you, the attendance was below 2,000. That's about as much as this old barn sits. But, you know, it's it was just... They just opened the door. That save really just completely swung momentum, and it was it was surprising. Michigan State, like I said, on its heels for most of the third period, and that's troubling. But like you said, they were mm-hmm. able to pull the mm-hmm. win out. And, I, and like I've said in the last podcast, and like I've been saying all year, this hockey team knows how to win a game. Mm-hmm. Any given night, they know how to batten down the hatches, play solid defensive hockey, and find a way to pull out that win. Mm-hmm. What they don't know how to do and what they need to start doing in order to turn the corner is learn how to win games consistently. Mm. Put that sweep together against Bingo. a inferior opponent like Princeton, mm-hmm. against a conference opponent like Ohio State, and you know even against a superior opponent like, say, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is something that, that's troubled them. They've, they've had five series so far where... You know, they play a team back-to-back, you know, Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, Friday. Five times they've played a series against a team, and they've split every single time. And you got to wonder, it, 
where how do they get over that hump and that's what they need to do they have to if they can't get over that hump of being able to put a team away twice you know in back-to-back games and consecutive nights for the most part this season they're not going to go anywhere exactly i also think it's important to know and i think it's important for people to know that this issue i don't think it's necessarily a coaching issue i don't think no. it's anything tom Anassis has any no. control over or, or can influence in any way i think it's all in the players it's all between the years mm-hmm. you can't you can't coach you know, you, you can't coach goal scoring you, you you really can't you can't coach anything mental you really can't you can try to help out with that but ultimately anything that is mental in the sport is a result of the players if the player's mentality is not there the coach can't you know forcefully get that men- that winning mentality in there, the players have to develop it themselves. Exactly. Perfect example, back in my high school playing days, I was on a team that was just terrible. I think we won one, two, maybe three games the entire season. I mean, it was bad. One night, right before a game, one of the captains comes up and says, you know what, guys? We're going to win this hockey game. Everyone looked at each other while we're doing our warm-ups and said, yeah, yeah, let's win this hockey game. <laughs> That team that I was on, we had it in our minds that we were going to win that hockey game. And you know what? We won. And we won in deciding fashion against a team that usually beat us. So it's all mental. And coach didn't say anything to us. We didn't say anything to the coach. It was, it was, it's all mental. And it's important to realize that Tom Anastas doesn't have any control over this. This is mm-hmm. all on the players. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and and that's the perfect thing. They, I really don't think this team has that mentality when they go into a game and think, you know, they're like, we're we're winning tonight. I don't care who we're. I don't I don't care who steps on the ice on the other side of that rink at Mun or whoever steps on the rink adjacent to us at, at a visitors' rink. I really it doesn't come off to me as they have that mentality. I really don't feel it. I have to agree with you, unfortunately, but at the same time. It's an it's an easy step to take, and if Michigan State can take that step, mm-hmm. watch out because this team can do good things. Yeah, and, and their their play against the out of conference opponents they played against showed this team is, is capable of being oh, yes. there. Oh, it, yes. it really is. It's just it's just their confidence, their confidence, and and their ability to finish is just keeping them from becoming a top twenty team. It really is. I I have to agree with you. And on that note, let's also talk about. One of the interesting storylines, Mike Ferentino, man, is he hot. He has taken the bull by the horns in terms of being a captain, and he is led by example in every sense of the word. Captain Mike Ferentino enters Friday's game against the Golden Gophers with the, on the best offensive stretch of his career with six goals and two assists over the last seven games. His last po- He has at least a point in six of the seven games and had a goal in both games against Princeton last weekend. He is hot, as is Matt Berry. Those two guys are going to be the key for Michigan State moving forward. If other guys can step up in conjunction with those guys, watch out because this hockey team will be able to do something special. Safe to say Ferentino's play so far has exceeded expectations, right? Oh, by far. (laughs) By far. It certainly has exceeded my expectations based on his performance the last couple seasons. This is is exactly what the doctor ordered for Michigan State to have – not only Matt Berry back and healthy, you know what you're gonna get out of Matt Berry. He's got, you know, he's got, I uh, think he's got seven now. He's got seven goals, I think, with that empty netter uh, Saturday night. And then you have Michael Ferentino 
<laughs> they're basically going step by step with each other. Barry gets a goal, Ferentino gets two more, then Barry steps well, back and the gets same it. Well, they're on the line. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's exactly what they need to get out of the top line. That's as important as that is. They need to start finding that success dwindled down to the other nine forwards on the team. Exactly. I mean, Tom Anassis was telling us in his press conference they need those other guys to step up and they need Barry and Ferentino to not dry up when those guys mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Because then you're basically just looking at what you have now, one line producing and everyone else is, is still just you know getting by. Exactly. Exactly. And with that, let's go around to our next interesting storyline. Travis Walsh also being stepping it up offensively. He has eight points, two goals and six to six, six assists, I should say, and that total ranks third among all Big Ten defensemen. Look at Walshy. Oh, let's see, see what it was. See what one goal does for your confidence. It, it works wonders. That since that goal, I think he's he's been so much better. He has. It almost seemed like he just really just got that you know the monkey off his back when that goal went in. It's not the most beautiful goal, but it just goes to show any goal. kind of goal can spark confidence and can really improve your play. And look, just look at Walshy. I think what's also equally important is the fact that his defensive partner, Josh Jacobs, mm. will feed off of that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Jacobs isn't going to be a runaway offensive threat. I don't think anyone predicted that coming in. Mm-hmm. But considering his repertoire, if you will, I think it's really good for that as a freshman, he's playing with a fellow D partner that is starting to produce offensively, which will give him confidence that he doesn't have to carry the load offensively. Yeah, and you look at Walsh, Walsh's numbers here. You know, so far, like you said, two goals, six assists in 13 games. Last year, he only had seven points in 33 games. And you look back to his freshman year, 11 points in 42 games. So he's on pace to set career numbers. He already has I mean, he already has career highs in goals. He had no goals prior to this season. But he's on pace to set, and not just set, he's on pace to obliterate his his career total so far at Michigan State here. What is his career total, Brian? He has he now has before the season he had zero goals and eighteen assists in seventy five games, and in thirteen games this season he now has two goals and six assists. Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Stats in the Hat, yes. Brian Bobel. Yes, <laughs> yes. And with that, we will take it now to around the boards. This weekend marks the true beginning of Big Ten play. Every Big Ten hockey team is playing each other. That's right. Conference play is upon us, and it's so awesome. Yes, it's about time. Yes. I've been waiting a long time. You and I both, my friend, you and I both. Four teams in the Big Ten Conference are tied for first place. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State all have three points. Let's start off first with Penn State. Last weekend, they had only one game to play, but unfortunately the Nittany Lions fell to Cornell 3-1, to at Madison Square Garden, so an unfortunate loss to them. That puts the Lions down to 7-4-2 and two overall, 1-1 one one in Big Ten play. They will open the core of Big Ten play at the Kohl Center in Madison, Wisconsin, against the Badgers, who are really starting to come on. But if you're Penn State, you want a starter, get a quick start. Mm-hmm. You, you do, and it was a tough loss for the Nittany Lions. They scored first in that game at the Garden. You know, David Goodwin had his had his fifth goal of the season, but then, you know, that was it for them. The Lions got all their scoring in nine minutes into the game, and then uh, Colgate pretty much, or Cornell, I should say, Colgate, well, Cornell took <laughs> took it to them for the rest of that game. 
outscored him. You know, scored two goals, one goal in the second, one goal in the third before getting an empty netter. Tough loss because you know Penn State was up early, and that that first period, Penn State absolutely dominated Cornell. It was it was it was a barrage. It was twelve five uh, shot total in the first period, and so that's that's pretty much where Penn State has been for the most part this season. But then that was a tough. Tough, uh, tough break for them in the final two periods, but this weekend that is a huge test against them because Wisconsin all of a sudden has strung a couple wins together. Exactly, they they got an overtime tie against Ferris State, and then they picked up a win against Ferris State. But we'll get to them in just a little bit. The Michigan Wolverines arguably had the best weekend of all Big Ten teams. They swept at home against Rensselaer by scores of three to two and six to nothing, respectively. Next week. The Wolverines take the rivalry on ice. They will host the Ohio State Buckeyes at Yost this coming weekend. The Wolverines are 1-1-0 in Big Ten play, 7-6-0 overall. So that sweep puts them above 500. Now only the third. There are now only three Big Ten teams above 500 so far. Yeah, and Michigan is starting to find, you know, if you look, they've won five out of their last six. They're starting to find the. They're starting to find their game. This is exactly what I envisioned happening happening during the season. They'll get off to a rocky start, but once they find their game, and this is a tough, uh, tough game against Ohio State. That'll be a good one. And then that's it for the week for them. And then they go off to play Boston College next week. The Ohio State Buckeyes, on the other hand, had a very interesting weekend at the Shillelagh Tournament in Notre Dame, or at Notre Dame, I should say. They lost the first game to Western Michigan by a score of 6-2, but then beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the third-place consolation game by a score of 5-1. 5-1. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish beaten down by Ohio State by a score of 5-1. So Ohio State split that series. As earlier stated, they will go. They will travel to Ann Arbor to face off against the Wolverines in their first really true conference play. At the Buckeyes are one one and zero in conference, five eight and one overall. Yeah, credit. You know, Tanner Fritz had a really good game against Notre Dame. You know, got his uh, got his fourth and fifth goals of the season. The fifth one coming on the power play there. It, it, if they can get you know Tanner Fritz to keep going, it's an Ohio State. You know, it, it's a very dangerous team. They proved it last year. This is you know. This, I don't. You can't overlook this team. You really can't. And and with this game against Michigan coming up this weekend, I'm really looking forward to that one. I really am. That'll be. <laughs> you know, I I always think that too many people put too. I think people put too much emphasis on the Michigan Ohio State hockey rivalry, quote unquote. I think they put too much. That's a football rivalry. The real hockey rivalry in the Big Ten. Let's be honest. Is Michigan State and Michigan. And you could also make a case for Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yeah, but the two schools are just—they just hate each other in every sport. It, it's there, it's there because it. You, I would agree. It, it's biggest in football, but it's so big in football that it dwindles down. You know, it sprinkles down to the other sports. We're like, hey, our football team. You know, just beat them. That was a big game. Now let's you know let's try to do that ourselves. And that's what I think. That's why I think that's still a pretty pretty big rivalry. I think it actually takes away a little bit from the Michigan State Michigan rivalry, quite honestly, because that is the Big Ten college hockey rivalry. 
It oh, just no, no is. doubt, no doubt. But then, but you know, Ohio State, Michigan is, is another rivalry. I'm not going to say it's better than Michigan, Michigan State. I think that's the best. You, you could you could maybe make a case for Wisconsin and Minnesota, but I, I do agree. Michigan, Michigan State, by far head over heels is the best rivalry in the Big Ten. Not to say that Michigan Ohio State isn't one. No, I'm not saying it isn't one either. I j- I'm just think I'm just saying that some people put more emphasis on the Michigan Ohio yeah. State hockey rivalry than they do against Michigan yeah. Michigan State. I, I I could agree with that. Yeah, and it's easy to see why, considering that unfortunately Michigan has dominated that rivalry mm-hmm. series to date. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won 10 out of the last 15. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's tough. Yes, yes, unfortunately it is. Michigan State, as earlier mentioned, will take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers here in East Lansing. The Spartans are 1-1-0 in the Big Ten, 5-8-0 overall. Number six, Minnesota. The Gophers drop to number six after they beat number 17, Boston College, by a score of 6-2, but then lost to Northeastern by a score of three to two, an unranked Northeastern team. So yeah. everyone's everyone's dropping left and right here. Yeah, and that was another game. Minnesota got on the board first, you know, Justin Kloos with his set with seventh goal of the season, and then Northeastern got a pair, got one before the end of the first period. Those late goals, mm-hmm. how often do those come back to bite you at the end of the game? So, and it was a tough loss for tough loss for Minnesota. There definitely one they want back. Especially against an unranked Northeastern team who went into the went in started you know went into the game at two nine and one, yeah that's yeah you gotta. So what's worse, you Minis- you being Minnesota losing to a Northeastern team with that record, or Michigan State losing to Princeton? Mm. Considering where Minnesota is in the rankings, ah, that's a tough one. Considering where Minnesota is in the rankings, I'd say the Minnesota loss is worse. Because you are ranked and you're playing against a team that you should beat statistically going off of statistics here, a team that you should beat in Northeastern and they 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 didn't. It was a missed opportunity, just like Michigan State. Just a missed opportunity. That's what that's in the end of the day, that's what it is. You said it, missed opportunity. And then finally Wisconsin, the Badgers starting to find some light. They tied the Ferris State Bulldogs at the Kohl Center, one to one, but then beat the Bulldogs the next night by a score of five to three. The Badgers will host Penn State next weekend. Badgers are one eight and one overall. They've yet to play a conference game. Minnesota as well is eight four and zero overall. They've yet to play a conference game as well. So the stage is set for Big Ten play to commence in full. Also, a couple other games of interest on Saturday. BC lost to Providence one nothing. Western Michigan beat Union in the Shillelagh Tournament Championship by a score of, get this, eight to two. <laughs> the nat- the defending national champion beat by Western Michigan eight to two. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, I I think uh, Union's taken a fall, a high, pretty big fall from grace here this season so far. Definitely. Now the up and cover comer number nine Harvard beat number seven or now number seven I should say UMass Lowell. By a score of four to two, and finally on Sunday, Dartmouth beat then number one, now number three, Boston University on Sunday by a score of two to nothing. So I think what this season is now telling us, Brian, is that any team can beat anyone and can be beaten by anyone on any given night. I know that's a lot of any's, but anything can happen. I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, and it's it's let's just look at the turn you know, the turnover in the standing so far. And I'm looking at the uh, at the polls at the polls right now. Yeah, North Dakota number one, Minnesota State number two, Boston U three, Miami four, Michigan Tech five. And then looking at others that mentioned that received votes. Michigan got some votes, Ferris State did, and Penn State even got some votes to get into the top 20 poll there. So it just goes to show, like, all these teams, it, it's more, there's a lot more parity nowadays, and that's great to see. You know, it really is. Really makes the uh, pollsters' lives a little bit more yes. difficult, though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exactly. Like like you said, Brian, North Dakota is now your new number one hockey team Wonder how long that's gonna last. <laughs> With the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another number one next week. Well, we may. We very well may. Now it's time for our second to last segment. Know thy enemy and know thyself. In a thousand battles, you will never lose. The Spartans kick off December by hosting the number six Minnesota Golden Gophers, who are coming off their recent loss to Northeastern. Last season, the Spartans matched up well with the Gophers, with each contest being decided by one goal or less. Michigan State currently sits in a four-way tie for first in the Big Ten Conference with three points. The Gophers have yet to play a conference game. Both teams average around 30 shots per game, but the Gophers have a prolific offense that averages 3.33 goals per game. The only saving grace for the Spartans is the fact that Minnesota is 1-3 on the road this year, and one in four in their past five games. Special teams will be critical to this matchup, as the Gophers average 13.4 penalty minutes per game and are 45 for 55 on the penalty kill, so they've allowed 10 goals when killing a penalty. The key for Michigan State will be to stay out of the box and make their power plays count. And especially when you have a guy like Mike Ferentino who's been tearing it up on the power play. That's what Michigan State's going to have to do. You look at the numbers... Everything else favors the Gophers. Goals per game, I mentioned. Goals allowed per game, 246 for Michigan State, 225 for the Gophers. Shots on goal, even around 30. Even goaltending, Adam Wilcox has the edge on Jake Hildebrand. Wilcox, both a 919 save percentage and a 225 goals against average. Hildebrand, on the other hand, boasts only a 914 save percentage and a 2.42 goals against average. So. Brian, Mun Arena this coming weekend, it's going to be a high-octane, very physical matchup, but the margin of error for Michigan State is going to be slim to none. I'd say, I'd say I said it before, their margin for error this weekend in particular is zero. They, they, they cannot afford to make mistakes. They cannot afford to give away goals to this team. As we all know, you said it yourself, look at their offensive goal production. 3.33 goals per game is more than one goal more than Michigan State, Michigan State's offensive output at 2.23. So, but here's the thing that we need to keep into account. Minnesota is 1-4 in their last five games. Michigan State is a little bit better in 2-3, but this is where, it, where Michigan State can make its mark on this series. If they can come out and get an early lead, or at least dictate the play in the first period, you know, dictate the play for most of the game, they're going to be fine. Even though you, you broke down the matchups you have, their goal their goaltender is better statistically than Hildebrand has been. I think this is going to be another very tight series. And the fact 
that Michigan State played so tight against those other top teams makes me think this is just going to be another one-goal game here. Exactly. Especially when you consider what happened when Boston College came to Munn mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It's so critical for Michigan State to, they don't necessarily have to dictate yeah. the tempo, but they have to match yeah. the high tempo. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Boston College. The Eagles come out, score a goal less than a minute into the game. Yeah, and, and that's exactly And then it all goes point. downhill from there. Perfect point. Spart- they... Spartans match that play, and we're talking about a different outcome here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that was off of a result of not showing up on time, you know, not, you know, not being ready for the drop of the puck, and they spotted them a couple goals. It was off a defensive breakdown, maybe, you know, one of the one of the few defensive breakdowns they had that night. But it, it just goes to show margin for error is zero. I give them no margin for error this weekend. Absolutely none. Now, if they're up four enough, if Michigan State somehow gets up by four or five goals, then the margin for error gets a little bit bigger. Stop but the presses if that I, happens. <laughs> but. We'll see what happens. I think they need to, they really need to keep the big scores, the top gunners for Wisconsin or Wisconsin, Minnesota in check. It, it really, it just includes has had a, has had a phenomenal season so far. Seven and six, seven goals, six assists for thirteen points. He's been really good. Kyle Rao, their leading scorer, the senior, through twelve games, he's got fifteen points. This is something Michigan State is going to sincerely need to take care of. I think that line of Farentino and Barry, they'll be fine. They're going to they're going to do what they've been doing. I don't I'm not worried about them at all. The big X factor is the lower nine, the other nine forwards. Exactly. I mean Tom Anastas has said on many occasions this team cannot win games with only its first Mm-mm. two lines or if only Mm-mm. part of the team shows up. They need every guy going 100% every shift of every period of every game. It's going to be a total effort. And you and I both said it. Total effort. That's what they need. Absolutely. Exactly. So let's now go to our final segment, Keys to a Spartan Victory. Brian, let's hear it. Drum roll. The key to success for Michigan State this weekend is play a full 120 minutes. At least. If it takes a little longer, it takes a little longer. You know, if they, I, I do think one of these games is going beyond 60 minutes, to be perfectly honest. But bottom line, they need to play two complete games. That's the big, that's number one, two complete games. Number two, find a way, like you said, make the power plays count. If Michigan State can get some power play goals, because you said Minnesota is prone to taking a few penalties here and there during the game. You know, so if Michigan State can improve, their power play is... Uh, less than stellar, six for fifty-three on the season. If that can get going a little bit more, they'll be in shape. Number three, the penalty kill needs to come up big. The Minnesota power play right now, twelve for forty-one at twenty-nine point three percent. That is a dangerous power play, mm-hmm. very, very dangerous. In Michigan State, you know they they they've been killing off some penalties. They've been they've still been very good, you know, on, on the PK, but they need to be flawless. Again, margin for error is zero, and that goes for all facets facets of the game: offense, defense, special teams, goaltending. Margin of error is zero. Interesting that you also put in goaltending because Hildebrand has had his ups mm-hmm. and downs this season. He's going to have to have a really, really mm-hmm. good series against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for my three. Number one, score the first goal in the first period. <laughs> not just the first, not just the first goal period, because now you and I have seen that that stat is no longer. 
relevant anymore. But you notice when Michigan State scores the first goal in the first period, especially at home, they get that momentum boost. They get the crowd into it. They start rolling. That's going to be key for Michigan State to get that first goal in the first period. Yeah, even though you said, yeah, now they're not perfect when they score first, but they're still perfect when taking the lead after the first period. Exactly. Second key for the game, everyone has to show up, both mentally mm-hmm. and physically. This, Like I said, you're not going to beat anyone, or this team isn't going to beat anyone if only half the guys show up, and they're sure as heck not going to beat the Gophers no. when if only Farentino and Barry... If that line is the nope. only line that shows up, nope. everyone ha- on that roster has to show up and be ready to play at 110%. Mm-hmm. And finally, my last key, stay out of the box and make your power play chances count. There's a simple way to make sure Minnesota doesn't get that potent power play, like you mentioned, Brian, on the ice. Stay out of the box. Stay out of the box. Move your feet. Exactly. Very simple. And the Gophers are penalty prone. They're averaging 13.4 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. That's over six penalties a game. So likely Michigan State's going to get chances five on four. Mm-hmm. They have to make those chances count. Remember what ha- what do- what partially doomed the Spartans against BC? They couldn't yeah. get anything going on the power play. Pucks bounced over defenseman sticks, mm-hmm. got on the zone, and that wasted power play time. Spartan power play has to be exceptional yeah. this weekend. Mm-hmm. If they do that, they follow all those three criteria, Michigan State should have a favorable outcome in this series. I agree. I, I think they have the potential, but I think we we I almost feel like a, a broken record when I say this. They have the potential to come away with more points than Minnesota in this series. They have the potential to. I really do think this team has the potential to put together a win and maybe an overtime loss. I really do. It just comes down to them, you know, showing up on time, being ready for the drop of the puck and, you know, all all of our keys to winning the game. It's a lot of keys to win the game, but it's what you got to do ultimately. Precisely. And that will do it for us here this evening and for 2014. Thank you so much to our wonderful listeners for tuning in to us. We will see you in 2015. I'm Jason Ruff. I'm Brian Bobo. Happy holidays, everybody. Stay cool, Spartan Nation, and have a wonderful holiday.